0: So happiness is a positive emotion. It comes and goes. It's ephemeral. And scientists have found that when we chase happiness and when we set it as our goal and pursue it single-mindedly, that we ultimately end up feeling unhappy and even lonely. But it's different with meaning.
1: That's Emily Espahani smith And this is The Depression Detox Show. Welcome back to the Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to help you live a happier life. I am your host, Malik Josephs. Happy Friday. Appreciate you tuning in with me today as we wrap up this week with a talk by returning speaker, journalist and author Emily S. Fahani Smith. And her message today is is about why we should avoid chasing happiness. And instead, to find something that is much more valuable and much more life changing. And in this clip, she's going to share what that is. And then she's going to share how to start taking the steps towards it starting today. Here's Emily S. Fahani Smith. Enjoy.
0: I want to begin by telling you the story of a woman named Ashley Richmond, who I had the chance to spend some time with several years ago. So Ashley doesn't lead a very glamorous life. She doesn't work for a Fortune 500 company. She didn't go to a fancy school like Penn. She doesn't shop at places like Whole Foods. What she does do is spend the majority of her time shoveling animal poop from one place to another. Her hours are terrible, and so is her pay, and she rarely gets vacations off. And yet Ashley told me that this is her dream job. Ashley is a zookeeper who cares for giraffes, wallabies, and kangaroos at the the Detroit Zoo. Ashley doesn't always feel happy or good when she's working. In fact, 80% of her time, she said, is spent cleaning animal waste, which can be physically grueling when you're dealing with large animals like giraffes. And yet She told me that her job is really meaningful. In fact, she thinks of it as a calling. When I asked her several years ago what makes your life meaningful, this is what she told me. My purpose, she said, isn't cleaning up animal waste. My purpose is caring for the animals and doing everything I can to make their lives as good and as rich as possible. None of the animals here, she said, chose to be here. And yet I have a responsibility to ensure that their lives are as healthy and as stimulating as I can make them. So my book was inspired by the stories of people like Ashley, people whose stories I thought weren't being celebrated in our culture and and in our conversations about what a good life is. In our culture, we're constantly getting the message that a good life is a happy life, that we should pursue happiness and a life of comfort and ease, and that if we do, we'll end up being healthier and more successful, better liked, more attractive even. The whole point and purpose of life, we're led to believe, is to feel happy, But as I was reflecting on that message several years ago in this building, I realized that so many of the people who I admire most and who I look up to weren't focused on the single-minded pursuit of their own happiness. They were devoted instead to leading meaningful lives. In other words, they were focused on how they could contribute to and improve the world around them. So these were the quiet heroes of everyday life, the nurses, the teachers, the parents, the plumbers, the bureaucrats who, through their contributions, helped make the world go round. But there were also the great men and women of history, Socrates and the Buddha, Martin Luther King Jr. and Mother Teresa, people who led hard lives but good lives. So I think at this point I should say I don't have any problems with happiness. I I like to feel happy, and I want the people I love to be happy as well. But I do think that the happiness zeitgeist has led us astray. So happiness is a positive emotion. It comes and goes. It's ephemeral. And scientists have found that when we chase happiness and when we set it as our goal and pursue it single-mindedly, that we ultimately end up feeling unhappy and even lonely. But it's different with meaning. So meaning, the defining feature of a meaningful life, is connecting and contributing to something that's bigger than you are. And when we devote ourselves to this, when we devote ourselves to leading meaningful lives, we ultimately experience a deeper and more enduring form of well-being. We feel more satisfied, more at peace, more content. And I think this makes sense because human beings are meaning-seeking creatures. We yearn for meaning. When we look up at the stars, for example, we don't see random balls of fire. We see constellations. We see warriors and bears. We craft myths and stories about what we see. We wonder about our place in the universe, how the world came to be, how we can make our individual lives count in the grand scheme of things. We all want to know that our lives amount to more than the sum of our experiences, that they matter. We all need a why or reason to help us get through the good and the bad of life. And no two people I found researching my book will necessarily have the same why. So for the last several years, I've traveled all across the country, and I've spoken to dozens of people about what makes their lives meaningful. People like Ashley, but also a former drug dealer, an astronaut, a woman dying of cancer. I spoke to psychologists and sociologists and philosophers. And I wanted to know what exactly the building blocks of a meaningful life are and how we can build them up in our own lives. Along the way, no two people told me the exact same things. We all find meaning in our own individual ways. At the same time, there were four themes I found that came up again and again in the stories that I heard and in the research that I read. When people talk about what makes their lives meaningful, they talk about having a sense of belonging. So being in relationships where we feel valued and like we matter and where we treat other people like they're valued and like they matter. They talked about having purpose, so something worthwhile to do with their time. They talked about storytelling or crafting narratives that help them understand themselves and their place in the world. And they talked about transcendence, these moments in nature or through prayer and ritual where they felt a sense of self-loss and connected to something much bigger than themselves. So those are the four pillars or building blocks of a meaningful life. Purpose, uh, belonging, storytelling, and transcendence. So I talk about all of them in my book, but I want to dive a little bit more closely into storytelling right now because I think it might be the most interesting and perhaps unexpected of the pillars. So storytelling is really about your own life story. What's the story that you tell yourself about your life? It's the act of taking our experiences and weaving them into a narrative that explains who we are and where we came from. It's it's how we make sense of our experiences and the person that we've been. And it's the act itself and not not necessarily even sharing our story with others that really builds meaning because it provides a framework. It helps us see the patterns within our lives and it gives our lives a sense of coherence and integration. But not all stories, it turns out, are created equal when it comes to leading a meaningful life. The psychologist Dan McAdams at Northwestern University has studied people leading meaningful lives, and he's found that they all tell particular kinds of stories about their lives. In particular, they tell stories of redemption, which are stories that move from bad to good. So let me give you an example. I spoke to a man several years ago named Carlos Ayer. So Carlos, he's in his 50s now, and he grew up in Havana, Havana, Cuba. And he was just a child when the Cuban Revolution happened. And he talks about the Revolution as the place in his where his narrative broke in two. So before the Revolution, he was leading a really happy, pampered life in Havana, doing what mischievous boys do. And after the Revolution, he was forced to flee to America. His parents did not come, so... He was an orphan. He lived in dire poverty, uh, experienced discrimination daily for being Cuban. So it was—it was a very difficult life. And yet, as he was telling me his story, he said. Even though that was hard, and even though the revolution completely changed the path of my life, I grew as a result of it. I became a more compassionate person because I suffered, and so I began to understand the suffering of others more deeply. My spiritual life deepened, he said. I was able to discover what my purpose ultimately is, which is he's a historian, so he, that, that's what his purpose is. It was difficult for him, and it took him years to make sense of that traumatic experience in his life. And it was a painful process, but it was one that ultimately brought him a sense of peace and resolution about a difficult chapter in his life story. Now, you can imagine Carlos taking the same exact events and experiences and crafting a very different type of story about them. So he could have said... I was leading a really wonderful life in Cuba in my childhood. And then the revolution happened, and it it ruined everything. He never saw his father again, for example. But he didn't tell that story. He chose to tell a different story. And psychologists find that when people tell the negative kinds of stories, the stories that move from good to bad, I was in Havana, Cuba, and then the revolution happened, and then everything was ruined, that they actually experience more depression, and they're more likely to experience their lives as less meaningful. But Carlos chose to tell a different story. And we all have the power to do that. We're all the authors of our own stories. We can interpret our stories, we can revise them, and we can edit them to lead more meaningful lives and to experience more meaning in life. And one of my favorite studies about this was actually by Adam Grant and a researcher at the University of Michigan named Jane Dutton. And they had uh, participants come into their lab, and they divided them into two, and they told half of them to tell a story about themselves being a generous person, and they told the other half to tell a story about themselves as being the recipient of someone else's generosity. And what they found was that the people who told the story about themselves being generous ultimately went out after the study and were were more generous. The story they told changed their behavior and led them to lead life in more meaningful ways. There's a myth in our culture that this search for meaning, that leading a meaningful life is some grand pursuit that you have to cure cancer or write the great American novel in order to lead a meaningful life. But that's not true. If you want to lead a meaningful life, be a storyteller. Take 10 minutes of your day and reflect on what the defining moments of your life are. Ask yourself, how do these experiences make me grow? It might be a painful process because some of us are shaped most profoundly through suffering and loss. But try to find a positive meaning in those experiences. We all have the power to tell and to retell our life story in more positive ways. So tell a story that moves you forward. Thank you.
1: Big thanks to Emily S. Fahani Smith for stopping by. I got this clip from YouTube. It is entitled Emily S. Fahani Smith on crafting a life that matters. And if you'd like to connect with her or her work, you can go to her website, emilysfahanismith.com, which is also her Instagram. And her book is entitled The Power of Meaning, Crafting a Life That Matters. And the last time we had her on the show, is episode number eight, which is, wow, that's such a long time ago. So you can go back and check that out if you like. And i have links to everything I just mentioned along with a link to the entire talk. They will all be in the show description below. And that is a wrap for me. If you like the show, please give it a follow or leave a rating and review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcast or your favorite podcast player app. And um, I just thank you for that. I appreciate you taking out the time. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great rest of your day. I hope you have an amazing weekend and I'll see you back here Monday. So until then, stay strong. Later.